Union Jack, the home of great British comedy. Fiddle your knob and find Union Jack on DAB Radio, online, on the app, and on that Alexa woman. There was like six of their chefs were living in a room and they were like, that's not legal, you can't do that. I mean, no one died. Yeah. It was just like, like yeah. and so then we, we, they're not allowed to sponsor the club anymore because they're, <laughs> you know, they're dodgy. But hey, nice, cool, man. <laughs> on digital radio across the UK, on the Union Jack app, and on that Alexa lady. This is Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. Hello, hello, very warm welcome to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. I'm him, Jeff Lloyd, and on this show, well-known faces take me for a wander around the streets they grew up on, uh, using Google Maps, though, you know, we, we haven't got a budget. Uh, now, so far in this series, we've spoken to Ed Gamble, Paul Young, Ian Lee, Susie Ruffle. You can hear all those episodes as previous podcasts, but don't do it now, because it wouldn't, wouldn't make sense. Listen to this podcast now. We are wandering down memory lane with plebs and Friday Night Dinner star... Tom Rosenthal. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. Tom Rosenthal, hello. Hello. So we're about to take a trip down memory lane, but you, you think it's going to be foggy on memory lane? Yeah. I, I don't my <laughs> I don't remember stuff. I mean, I don't really know why. Um, You're not repressing anything, are you? I may be, maybe, right. but I just not one of these people that remembers anything about their life. It's not. It's like a not like sort of Jason Bourne for any exciting reason. Like uh, <laughs> someone's wiped my brain for geopolitical uh, spying. I just. I just don't really have one of those brains where you remember stuff about your life. Well, let, let's, like, let's. I know. I know a few things. I definitely know I'm English. Yes. Uh, and I was, pre- I was pretty into PlayStation, um, but I've forgotten the names of everyone I went to school. <laughs> okay, let's let's see how this let's see if this brings up some stuff for you. Maybe there will be it does, tears. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I imagine as you say, it's going to be quite traumatic. So before we move on to where you sort of did most of your growing up, you're born in London. You're born in Hammersmith in London. Well, that's honestly according to Wikipedia, which is what I have to go on. <laughs> I, I cannot tell you how bad I don't know I wasn't interested I don't know what time I was born I know it's the 14th of January because that's when I get presents every year right? Yes. Uh, and on Wikipedia it says I was born in Hammersmith I, I, my mum told me it was a place called Queen Mary's Hospital um, but according to your Google Maps system that's in Roehampton Right, which I mean, is that technically Hammersmith? I don't know. I mean, it does make me think. Maybe we should get your mum on I the phone. I could text my mum now. Maybe there's I, I, stuff I, I, being kept from no, you. No, I tell you what, I'll do. I'll text my mum now, right, and then we'll hopefully she'll get back with the information that you're asking. You don't think they found you in a Moses basket? Well, maybe I mean, on the River Thames. Maybe they've protected me all my life. Um, and lucky for them, I just do have very little interest in where I grew up. I'm just much more interested like when my next meal is and stuff, and what's on Netflix now. Um, but I'm going to text mum. What hospital was I born in? Uh, but as I say, currently on Wikipedia... It, can you, it can you get a weight as well while you're at it? Maybe find out if it was a, tra- a traumatic birth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know was. it was quite traumatic, actually, I think. I was, I had to, I was forcept out. Is, uh-huh. it, is that, and I've, I now have a scoliosis in my back, and apparently that is because I got forcept out of my mum's, what's the right, you know, passage. Um, what, Uterus? Yeah, I suppose that's what you say, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I can't imagine that was ideal. So no. what, what are the questions you're asking my mum? What hospital was I born in? Yeah. How much pain were you in during my birth? Yes, yeah. But man, what about a birth weight? We all, all enjoy How was birth my birth weight. and what was my weight? Yes. 
Okay, let's see. <laughs> She's very, very diligent on replying to texts, actually. And, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what she comes back with. Um, but as I say, definitely west of London. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely born January the fourteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. Nineteen eighty-eight. Is that interesting as all? I, th- I think so. Mel and Kim were probably riding high in the charts. Rick Astley. Do you know what was number one on the day you were born? Well, I mean, come on. I don't know the hospital I was born in. <laughs> I'm not going to know that. <laughs> well, maybe we could have, have we could do some googling. Yeah, while we're Google talking. can definitely maybe, tell us that. Yeah, I think there there is a thing. So, um, and and where do you fit into your your family? There are no brothers or sisters, right? Yeah, no. I just was. I'm the child of my mum and my dad, and that's basically it, really. Did you crave a sibling? Uh, I, I, I found, I th- the idea of like a little brother, I think, would have been quite nice um, to just sort of tell what to do, um, and you know, like coach into being a, a good uh, footballer and to give him stuff like sweets and pornography and stuff but ultimately growing up my main observation was that everyone else used to fight with their brothers and sisters and they used to complain about them all the time and I used to just lord it and be like I don't have that all of my dad's money goes to me <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah I mean my best mate Mike used to have these sort of wrestling fights with his sister which would make me feel like physically sick like I just didn't understand why anyone would be so t- sort of oddly tactile and violent, but also in, in, in such close proximity. And then it just seemed like a real annoyance that I didn't have to go through. So I think growing up, I was very pleased. So no, no roughhousing for you? There were Absolutely no cousins not. to roughhouse No, with? no, this is, I am the product of a complete roughhouse-free upbringing. I mean, many would say that is a, a massive flaw. <laughs> uh, and, and are you a good sharer? Um, well, n- no, I don't think, I think... Well, uh, unconsciously, definitely not. Like, I, I hate that when everyone orders for the table and everyone's got to have that little bit of anything. And I'm like, nah, nah, that's not for me. And I, if if there is something, I will just, I will just take it and eat it. But if I'm consciously aware that other people want something. I am quite diligent and friendly, but I think no. Deep down in me, is just I have no, um, I have no care for other people. And and usually at this point, like the first thing I try and suss out is uh, what what sort of household it was and what your parents' jobs were. Now, you know, your dad famously uh, was a TV personality, Jim Rosenthal, a sports broadcasting. He was yes. Um, now I, I I then tend to ask like, what were the perks of your parents' job? And the example I always give is my dad was a postman, so I got a lot of elastic bands. Yeah. What were the perks of your parents' jobs? Just, I mean, going to Champions League finals, you know, <laughs> going and watching the F1, saw Michael Schumacher win the F1 title. I got driven round Budapest by F- Fernando Alonso uh, when he was driving for Minardi, uh, and my dad was friends with the guy who was in charge of it, and he drove us to the airport. Wow. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, I'm a prick. <laughs> 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 well, so there's no sense of your daddy's like going to keep you away from that no, world. No, no, he very much just took me in. <laughs> it was amazing driving. I mean, for... Fernando Alonso was an absolute nutter. You drove on the wrong side of the road. You never felt like you were in danger or anything, but like people would be queued up in a, in a red light and he would just like overtake them all. And I mean, But yeah, very talented driver. Very nice man. Also does magic. He does some magic tricks for me as well when ah. I was a little kid. Um, so I've got, you know, five or six of those really irritating stories which makes people hate you. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very thankful for having, uh, you know, it would have been terrible if I didn't like sport. Mm. I think, but I think my dad really made it so I was a sports fan. He put me down in front of sport at a very, very young age and turns out I'm, I'm really into it. And what, what about your mum's job? My mum was a producer um, on radios where they met. They met at BBC Radio Birmingham and she produced uh, Newsnight, I think was the sort of zenith of her career. 
Um, but then she had me and sort of decided to just give me all that attention, you know, <laughs> all that attention that I clearly still crave because I got into a, bit of, <laughs> a profession in the in showing off. Um, did, did did you understand as a kid it was weird that you had a dad who was on the telly? Other people's dads weren't like that. I mean, what what age? I, when I was sixteen, I sort of grasped that it was a bit odd. Yeah, but, but uh, so primary school age. Uh no, I don't. I didn't feel that. I mean, you get a few of the older kids asking you if you had like a golden pencil case and stuff like that. Like, I think there is this assumption that if your dad's on television, they're the richest man in the world. Yeah. Uh, um, but to an extent, it did feel a bit like we were the because I would have all this fun stuff and I'd always get to go and watch Arsenal. And I'd get, you know, so it. Yeah, I mean, I just had a nice life, uh, and um, I, I, I went to schools where. Uh, I suppose, you know, there's a few kids who try and bully you for it, but ultimately, it's their loss, isn't it? Their dad's not on TV. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'll take a few, you know, mean words if it means I can go and watch Arsenal whenever I want. <laughs> so so most of you growing, growing up, and, and your parents still live in the same village. Yes. Uh, it's in Berkshire. Yes. Well, so I for like 18 months lived in, a, I think, a flat in a place called Bellsize Park or something like that which is quite near where I live now in Canterbury, um, which is my excuse for sporting Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> and then they moved out, yeah, to a place called uh, Cookham Dean, mm. um, which is a lovely little village um, famed uh, for the British artist Stanley Spencer. Um, there's a lovely Stanley Spencer gallery. My mother is one of the key sort of organisers and administrators of the Stanley Spencer Gallery, so got to big them up. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lovely place to go and have a look at some paintings. Um, Am I right in thinking Timmy Mallet lives in? Timmy Mallet, also a big, yeah, big feature. You do see him out. You know, he doesn't, he carries Mallet all the time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll be down there. He's, a, he, um, he's also an Oxford United fan, just like my dad is, so um, see, see him about. You know, there's also uh, Chris Barry, who is Rimmer. In Red Dwarf, yes, yeah. Red Dwarf, or Ricky Johnson, Lorraine Kelly spent a lot of her life, you know. It's a, it's a real uh, celeb like haunt. Street, yeah. yeah. And um, before we switched the microphones on, it was famously the, the local Indian restaurant was where Ulrika Johnson was was caught canoodling with Sven Juran Eriksson. Indeed, indeed. It's an excellent Indian restaurant called Malik's. Um, and, uh, yeah... I mean, what, what what can I say? You said you were friends with the Rigged Johnson, so I don't want to pile in on her, you know? <laughs> but uh, we all make indiscretions, don't we? You know, it's, it's the centre of a maelstrom there in, in, in Cookham Deem. It, it, it's all <laughs> going on. Whatever people imagine sort of Notting Hill or Hampstead to be like, it sounds like it was all happening oh, in you Cookham Deem. You just remind you know I tell you I've got no memories, but you yeah. just you just reminded me of this <laughs> when I was going oh, in Cookham Dean. I remember going on my parents' computer when I was like I mean, it must have been like nine or something, and looking in the in the history bar and seeing that they'd been on a website that was like Cookham Dean Swingers. <gasps> <laughs> and there's there's apparently quite a lively community. There's definitely a, a car park where I used to get picked up for the bus, which was like known for dogging, essentially. Right. Uh, and they'd always say, and it's a bit weird that that's where our school bus would get dropped off, but when it wasn't the school bus hours, it was people doing that sort of stuff. Um 
But yeah, I remember for a long period, my friends all took the mick out of me because, you know, I told them that and they thought that my parents were swingers. It turns out my parents were just doing it for like research, you know, and I, I, I mean, believe that. that. Well. I believe that they were just like, oh, this is a fun thing to look at. Was there any you pampas know? grass in your front garden? Because there's a certain type of plant that swingers would have in their front gardens in the 70s and 80s, I believe, <laughs> which was a signal that they were down you to know, party. Luckily, I can't remember anything. I don't, I don't know my plants. So, I, I, I mean, listen. I, 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 any large bowls? They have not denied that, all right? They they definitely were looking at our website, but whatever extrapolations you take from that point on, I I do firmly believe that my parents were not swingers at any point. Okay. Okay? Yeah. But they were looking at our website when I was nine. Can you ask you, can you text your mum and ask her that as well? well, Yeah, she's surprisingly not got back about the birth weight, but yeah, if she gives me a birth weight, I'll then say, were you seriously not swingers? Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack Radio. So, um, so your early memories, which we've already established, yeah. uh, Apache, uh, was it house? Did you was music on a lot? Uh, no, my dad. My dad would play music in the car. Like he had Jamiroquai. He was he, he used to quite like you know thinking he was on. What else did he have? The Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Okay, <laughs> but no, we're not a big musical household. Um, uh, to be fair, my dad's family are actually um, sort of, well, they were kind of musicologists. Uh, my granddad uh, was, yeah, like a f- antiquarian bookseller who had a lot of music. I don't know what you'd call it. Um, sort of like antiques. I mean, he had an original Mozart manuscript that Mozart had actually written the, and he had like a Stradivarius violin and stuff. Wow. They were like German Jews who had like all of their stuff taken away from them before they came to Oxford. Um, but because they had still had their contacts, they sort of set up a new business and he was always buying and selling all this amazing music stuff. And my dad grew up kind of really hating all that stuff. Um <laughs> Finding it, you know, really boring, and they all wanted him to go to, you know, Cambridge and be like a, uh, yeah, like an antiquarian bookseller. And he just wanted to watch Man United or whatever, you know, in Oxford. Yeah, and, um, and Jamiroquai is this act of rebellion. Yeah, but uh, I did learn the violin, uh, and I mean, the if there was a sound uh, that echoed through our house, it was just <laughs> me attempting to play the violin very poorly, the sound of strangled cats or whatever it is when a, a six-year-old is, is learning the violin. Did you do your exams? Did you do your grades? Um, I know. I never got a grade in violin. Um, I was grade five saxophone, which is a bit of a nicer sound. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unless you're amazing at the violin, it always just sounds awful, right? What drew, drew you to the saxophone? Uh, for some reason, well, I was into The Simpsons. And, uh, Lisa, you identified yeah. with Lisa. Yeah, and Bleeding Gums Murphy. It just felt like it was cool. And when I got into it, it was like seven or eight. So, you know, electric guitars weren't yet the cool thing. Mm. It was, for you know, it was, it's like a primary school version of cool, isn't it? The saxophone. Uh, and yeah, I stuck with that more than the violin, which I think was, a, you know, my parents were my parents were pleased with. What but a- I still gave up. Like I gave up every musical instrument I played. What about pets? Any 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 household pets? Yeah, we had. What did we have? Dog and that. We had a dog and then he died. You sound very sentimental. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't. I, I, Sammy, we had a cat and then we had a, oh, another cat was called Rascal who scratched my face when I was on the toilet. I didn't like Rascal very much. Um, Sammy, now. That takes got, some doing. Did, did Sammy leap towards you? So, you know, Sammy was not. It was, it was Rascal. Sorry, who Rascal leapt towards you. Yeah, I was just a little boy on the, on the toilet and he, he, he just jumped up and started scratching my face like that. I remember I had a thing for a week and got a lot of sympathy for that. But yeah, I mean, 
yeah, in terms of pets, there were other pets. Forgotten the names. <laughs> I told you. I'm not. <laughs> I don't. I've got. Well, I don't have much time for pets anyway. To be honest, I think. I think the idea of owning an animal is a bit weird. Just a little thing that gives you joy for free. It's like a little joy slave. So, <laughs> so I, you know. But I, 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 Sammy's good cat. He keeps. He kept my dad happy, and um, you know. If if well, Sammy's not listening, so. <laughs> and, and what about um, sort of other adults that were around, relatives, neighbours? Who, who was around? Uh, oh my goodness! I mean, John Barnes came round for dinner once. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I got, really. John Barnes came round. Who else do we have? Yeah, you know, there's a, we sort of lived in a little green. Actually, you can see, you can maybe see my little green. We're gonna. Uh, it's, I think it's. I think it's there. If we click on our screen, where where the sort of red pin is, is it around there near the Jolly Farmer? Yeah, we can I keep going down. I th- okay, I think the green is uh, is is coming into view here. Um, and uh, no, it's not there. It's called the Cricket Common. Can you put that in? Cricket Common. Yeah, Cookham Dean. Terrible place to grow up. Um, and yeah, there was a few of us around. I can't. I can't remember. I mean, we used to play on that. Oh, that's the Cricket Club. Not that is actually where my dad is now. The president. Your he, dad is the president. My dad has made a move for power. <laughs> And, was there um, an election? I grew up playing um, uh, cricket for Cookham Dean. I don't think there was an election. It was more of yeah, a coup or whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, a coronation, not an election. Uh, and yeah, he is now a sort of figurehead. They're building a pavilion. If anyone wants to give some money, because <laughs> pavilions are quite expensive. About will it be the Rosenthal Pavilion? I, I think that's it. I think we're okay. here. I think I think we're it. Yeah. So our house can is we, like there. Okay. Can we can we click on that in there? Yeah, here we go. Double click. Here we go. Here we go. I reckon. I reckon. Oh my! Oh, this is okay. We're down. We're on Google Street View now. We're into Cookham Dean, into the heart of things. So yeah, yeah. This is this is the big uh, green covered in dog poo that I used to play football on, play some golf. Oh, that's the village hall where my uh, play group was. Shout out to Iris. So do you remember what do you remember about Iris in the play group then? She was just nice. Uh, I remember once. A kid threw a car at me. <laughs> and that's a toy I first, car. I first, <laughs> yeah, it's Superman for a car. No, it was a toy car. That's what I first learned about anger issues. You first learn, you know, at Playgroup, that 10% of humans are just like, dicks, aren't they? Just, <laughs> they? And that is just true of life. It's, you've got to learn that. Um, you can't remember a name or have you repressed I think that? it was, I, th- oh, I want to say Alex. Alex it, it could a have car. been Alex. And, and Iris intervened. Iris was a lovely old yeah lady who just w- would always be in that hall on the weekends. And I mean, it's now I'm having my friends are having kids and you realise that your parents, they just need time off. Otherwise you go mad, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So they, they just dump us in that hall and uh, yeah, a kid threw a car at me. And they would always, they just make you drink milk and I hate milk. I don't drink it anymore. Another thing, good thing about growing up, obviously, you just don't have to do what adults tell you. <laughs> so I used to hate drinking milk and now I just don't. Um, if you go up that road a little bit, mm-hmm. these are these potholes that uh, my dad would always sort of try and fill in but fail because he's as inept man as me. And that's, this is our house on the left. You've gone too far. Okay. But your dad would get out onto the public road and try and fill in the He'd potholes. He'd do his best, yeah. But it would be mum who'd do the actual work. So there was a blue bin outside our house on this day. What does that mean? Is that recycling, is it? Can you go into our house or is that not allowed? I think I it's frowned upon. Yes, you don't really let Google in, so... Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, okay, that's, a, that's, that's a, sort of it. This is a little thing my mum calls a summer house uh, that sort she of built like in our garden. gazebo-y type thing. Yeah, I think, you know, mum's just... She's always got something on the go, really. Um, 
And uh, so, what are your memories of the summer house? Totally then? useless. Well, there are none. It was a pointless thing to build. <laughs> I mean, it's just got spiders webs in it and all of our board games that we never play. I really just have no idea why that exists. It's it's there purely to increase value to the house. I'm not sure if it does that. But you know, mum will just do that stuff like that. So, where where were your corners then? Would you have dens? Well, I had a, a gold in this garden growing up um, that I used to practice my footy in and. Dad would very kindly play with me a lot and chuck the ball up, so I was good on my right foot, good on my left foot, practice headers and volleys. He'd get stuck in his head quite a lot, which was a nightmare. Was he a harsh taskmaster? Not a harsh taskmaster at all, no, very encouraging. Um, but he would he be very very tolerant as well, because I would want to practice a lot, and he would he would actually come and play with me in between you know his um, career as a legendary sports broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> he would manage to waste his time throwing balls at me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's all I've got really. Where where was your primary school? Ah, I went to primary school a place called Ridgeway in Maidenhead. How Cops, far away Cops is that? Cox Green. Uh, it's like a ten minute drive, I think. Not not too Ridgeway, which was it was good. It was it was quite posh. Um, we used to have a thing called a money belt, where you take your money into school for like tuck, but it was like. It was yeah, it was a belt, and you had a little pouch for money. And I, is that what an American would call a fanny pack? No, 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 no. It's 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 a different thing. Okay, it's a money belt. So it's a belt that goes all the way around. So it essentially looks like a belt. It's got a weird little clip on the front, and then just one zip for like a. And it just kind of meant that <coughs> we were all going to school every day, just sort of encased in our parents' wealth. <laughs> it's, and I've never seen it like since anywhere. It's such a you can see there's little boys in caps. That's what I look like. That little green cap, right, with a blazer, like. <coughs> I don't know why they're making kids wear those sort of clothes. So it's maybe it's not. Maybe it's called something different now. Is it? Is it not called Ridgeway anymore? No, because Claire's Court is is a different. Oh, Claire's Court Junior Boys. Yeah, that makes sense because it was the Junior School of Claire's Court. So yeah, that looks like it. Can you zoom in on that? Or oh, pop us down? Here we go. Yeah, we're down. We're just in a thicket at the moment. No, I don't remember Ridgeway very well. But I don't think it was in the middle of a woods. But you were there right the way through till 11. I was, right? yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of Japanese kids there because there was a big Toyota factory next door and all the Toyota employees would send their kids there. And what else was there? There was like a a thing at the end of the playground that was called a... Uh, a he... A ha... A ha-ha. You know what ha ha is? I don't think we had a ha ha in our playground. It's, it's like a, it's it's a sort of farmer's ditch, and then we used to play conkers. I mean, those are just things that I had there that I've never heard since. A money belt and a ha ha, <laughs> and um, yeah, we used to play conkers basically at school. That's my main memory. Is are just, you good at conkers? Uh, no, I didn't put the time in the prep. You know, the vinegar and the, and you have to sort of roast roast them. Yeah, a yeah, bit yeah. Or no, I wasn't yeah. about that. I was all action. What are the rules of conkers? Uh... You get a string, you put it through a conker, and you whack it against the other conkers, right? Yeah. And then, if when the other person's conker breaks, that's like a one one victory for your conker. Yeah. And so people would walk around with conkers and call them like, "This is a twenty-four er." Yes. It's won like twenty-four times or yeah. whatever. So you can have these um, legendary conkers that were veterans of many, yeah. many many conflicts. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't really remember how high. I remember having a Tamagotchi as well. Back in those Ridgeway days, do you remember how long you managed to keep it alive for? Again, I wasn't. I'm, I wasn't very good at it. I, I, I remember them dying. Actually, I mean that was quite a sad day. I suppose that's that's when you really 
you really learn about life as well, isn't it? When you get, <laughs> you a, sound more emotionally attached to the Tamagotchi yeah. than you do to either Sammy or. Well, I put more time into the Tamagotchi staying alive. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I mean, it was my parents feeding the cat, uh, and yeah, and you realise they start pooing everywhere, don't you? And mm. when you when you get a car thrown at your head and your Tamagotchi's pooed everywhere and dies, and that's when you realise that life is suffering. <laughs> So this is, this is. <laughs> Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack Radio. This is Union Jack playing the best of British music. The original plan was to play some average British music. But then we heard this. This is Union Jack, playing only the best of British music. What teachers do you remember from Ridgeway? Mrs. Weinstock. What do you remember about Mrs. Weinstock? I used to go up and cuddle her every morning. Really? Yeah. Well, you're not mocked mercilessly by the other children. It was a very friendly school. Right. Uh, she taught me to tie my shoelaces. My mum spent like two weeks trying to teach me to tie my shoelaces and I couldn't do it. And then Mrs. Weinstock did it in like 20 minutes. It's a gift. I mean, maybe. I don't, Are you still I, good at tying your shoelaces? I'm awful at it. I mean, I'm really bad at anything like manual. That's why my mum was struggling so much. Uh, but yeah, Weinstock had that gift. Mm. Uh, who else? Okay. Mr. Scriven. Um, what? Miss McGregor. I mean, obviously it means nothing to anyone listening. Um, they had a relationship, by the way. Bit of gossip. Oh, I used to love that yeah. school gossip that a teacher was seeing another teacher. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Because it's primary school as well, so a lot of them are young because you don't have to know anything, mm. really, do you? So, um, and it wasn't one of these schools where you're allowed to call the teachers by the first names either. No. Yeah. Oh, I got in a lot of trouble once because I called Mr. Scriven. Now, I want to get this correct. I was a kid and ugh, prick seems rude. No, what's it? I, oh, my. It was a word. Wazak. No, hang on a sec. I called him something that was like innocuous and he thought meant dick, but actually didn't mean dick. And he, he got out the dictionary to show me that it meant dick. And then he looked it up and then it just didn't, it didn't mean that. It was something like, uh, something like idiot or oh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to work on this, but I, I'll, I'll come back to this. But I called him a word and he looked up in the dictionary and he thought it, was, it meant rude and it wasn't rude at all. I mean, it was a bit rude. Um, but that is a memory that I have. And is that the most trouble you were Also, ever... no, the good question. I got in a lot of trouble because once we used to get um, the minibus from uh, school to the senior school to do PE, right? And I think it was Graham Geel or Jagdeep Hans who in the minibus on the way to school had the bright idea to like swear at uh, an- another motorist to put the middle finger up at another motorist for a laugh and then the other motorist put their middle finger up back at us and we thought that was the funniest thing ever, right? <laughs> so for the whole rest of the journey there and back, we were swearing at other motorists <laughs> um, and obviously the like name of the school and the number of the school is on the side of this <laughs> minivan. So the next day they get called into school and they were like, they listed all of our names and were like, were you swearing <laughs> at other motorists? And I was like, yeah. So we had to stand outside the headmistress's office and, um, yeah, I mean, that was our punishment, just standing outside the headmistress's <laughs> office. But we, that, that was, I remember feeling that that was the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I don't think I've ever had that level of guilt again. Because actually now, it's pretty fun, isn't it, man? Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you quite, um, you're, you're quite a good kid then? You're quite conscientious. Oh, very you like good, being yeah. a rule, You're a rule follower. 
Yeah, definitely at this age. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I was an angel. <laughs> except for except for this, I'm going to look it up. Um, this word that I call this guy. Uh, How are you going to look it up? This is intriguing to me. What is um, your starting point? Well, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to type synonyms for idiot. Right. Uh, Tool. Um. No, we 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 we, we, we can keep talking. Okay. I'm, okay. Um, plonker. What plonker? Maybe. It was Plonker. Mm, yeah. No, hang on a sec. <sighs> so close. But then in, in this, it says that is vulgar slang for a man's penis. Right. Well, it's a good job that the smartphone wasn't available <laughs> to Mr. Scriven. <laughs> so maybe he was right. Like, yeah, I, I called him a Plonker. And uh, the, the, it's just, the, the, the informal definition is a foolish or inept person, which is what it said in that dictionary. It didn't say as he obviously thought it was, a man's penis. And here we are 20 so, years wow, later. I'm so glad we've done this. I apologise wholeheartedly, Mr. Mr. Scriven. I'm so sorry for calling you a plonker. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, were you, what were you consumed with you on these? I mean, was it all sport? Were there other things? Were there films? Were you mad on anything in particular? Uh, what, as, a, as a young child of this sort of age. What was I into? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man. It, it was mainly games, I think. Yeah, like... Uh, Oh, very. Um, I don't know whether I was playing consoles at that age. Uh, definitely, really into football. Uh, I probably hit my peak about that age. Actually, I was pretty good playing for like an academy when I was ten or eleven. But then everyone else got muscles. And, uh, you had your I, moment. I though. was still scared of tackling. <laughs> um, but honestly, I can't remember. Yeah, just sport and cartoons, The Simpsons. You know. Did you, did you feel you did you feel you were funny? If I'd, I'd have, if you could go back in time and meet you as an eight year old, would it be? Would you well, be a funny kid? Would I you be a I shy had, kid? I definitely had the qualities that make me, um, you know, arguably funny today. In that I was uh, quite confident and self satisfied, um, and um, in, uh, I suppose, even for a child, quite sort of patronising at sort of pointing out people being. D- Stupid. Um, not again. Not perhaps that likable. But there's there's like a video of me uh, on my first day of school, and mum mum's going like, oh, you know, what's going on? I'm like, it's my first day of school, and she's like, what you got in your sports bag? And I'm like, sports kit. What do you think? And I'm like five, <laughs> like I'm already like sassing my mum. So I I wouldn't say that I knew I was funny, but I I was like, I mean. Yeah, I'd had a nice life. My parents were very, very kind to me, so I guess I was quite confident, I suppose, in the way that I, um, you know, my characters are now. What do you remember about going from your your primary school to the to the uh, secondary school you went oh, to? Oh man, we had like an open day, and we all had to make friends by doing these dumb team building exercises. Um, when you stand on planks and you have to like walk across a field, and you know, you must have you never done that. No, never been in a team. <laughs> Yeah, rubbish. It sounds horrendous. Things. Yeah. Was it an all boys school? Yeah, it was until sixth form. Yeah, mm. I suppose I remember that when girls came, and I was very scared. Didn't I? Didn't it's not. It's really. I don't know. I mean, having gone to all boys school and having had a nice school league, I do. I do think that it's not right to separate the sexes. What was the name of the school you went to? Reading Bluecoat School, um, because it does. It just creates a strange us and them dynamic when you are confronted on a day-to-day basis by the opposite sex which isn't particularly helpful I think in, in so in what life. context would you would you meet girls then 
well, I didn't meet girls until the 17. I was, I was in lots of after-school clubs. I was in the swing band and I did public speaking and I played football and cricket and uh, it, those things were more interesting to me than um, kissing girls, really. So you're, in the, you're playing saxophone in the swing band? Yeah. Tell, um, me, tell me about the public speaking club. Well, public speaking was a very exciting part of my upbringing. That probably is why I do my job that I do today. Um, essentially... Red Blue Coat's very good for yeah cultivating that uh, part so that there's like a after school club where you could do it but there's also competitions that we'd have we'd have in school competitions where you compete in your houses which was you know you had to do like a reading or you had to do like a persuasive speech or a funny speech basically um, which is called like an after dinner speech and then if you were good at that you'd go and compete like internationally so can you remember the sort of things that you would speak persuasively or funnily on yeah uh, uh, I mean <laughs> I, you, you, you do an after dinner speech to an imagined audience. So I think once I did it as if I was a rock, like talking to all former rock stars, and once I did it as if I was talking to all the angels in heaven. And it's basically like sort of like stand up. Um, it's it's yeah, you're sort of doing an imaginary summation of uh, the, what their year had been or, or whatever. It's I, I don't really know why it's framed like that, but. Um, I guess you, you can't just get up and start doing stand-up, so they, they still make it like a like a speech. Um, but yeah, and then there was loads. There's, there's a really big thing in America and Canada, which we uh, only a few of schools here do. And there's loads of different categories. Like there was one called um, newscast or something, where you would get a newspaper and you had twenty minutes to go for the news and write um, a sort of news report. Um, in the guise of a certain radio station that you'd concocted, basically. Um, and they had a thing called like dramatic interpretation, which was sort of like a, a monologue, basically acting, um, and uh, impromptu as well, where you just get the title of uh, a speech. Uh, you get three titles, and you have to make a speech in uh, two minutes, which lasts five minutes. Uh, so you're just you, like, you know, chatting shit, basically, making, making it up on the top of your head. Um, and obviously all of these things are just building skills and mainly building confidence. And so when you go to like, I, I, I did it in Cyprus and Canada, you meet all these people who you just, they just, they're going to be politicians. Like they're, they're, they're the cream of the crop. And then because there's such a smaller pool in Britain, like we're just like sort of show off to what is good. You, know, right, right. you might get like a, a, a real like geek who's amazing at one bit of it, the debating, or you might get someone like me who's good at the sort of showing off funny bit. But all the Canadians and Americans are really well-rounded and like they're like the best in their country and we're just sort of like chances who turn up. So have you um, got trophies? I do, yeah. I've got lots of, actually quite a lot of public speaking trophies which are not, not the coolest trophies to have. <laughs> I wish they were for football. Are they still at your mum and dad's house or are, you, are they on display uh, in your flat in London? Uh, that's a good question actually. I think I've got one or two in London. I mean, I am very proud of them and I was I was pretty, you know, pretty pretty good in terms of... I think I finished like second once in the whole world. When, my... when you were doing the news reports element of it, how much were you either consciously or unconsciously aping your dad? Uh, yeah, I no, I think, well, like anyone, you know, a lot of their parents come through um, in how they act. I mean, fortunately, my dad has got a really sort of sonorous, very a voice, like one that you definitely respect to listen to, whereas mine, as you can hear, is sort of like <laughs> radio interference. So even though I think we, we do maybe phrase things similarly and have quite a similar um, 
way of talking. The actual sound is so different that no one ever goes, oh, you sound like your dad. Right. They always go, you look like your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got quite different um, sonic vibes. <laughs> Teachers at this school then, who who sticks out? Well, a guy called Mr. Hollily was the um, the public speaking guy. Yeah, and he's he's the one that my parents always blame for my choice of career. Um, so, <laughs> have you ever been back there, sort of yeah, since your success? Y- yet? Yeah, I did a. <laughs> I mean, they asked me to go back to talk to the sixth form, and uh, it was just before Edinburgh. So I basically went back and did like an Edinburgh preview. Um, lots of jokes about like Danny Dyer's penis and stuff like that, and they they haven't invited me back. <laughs> so I don't think that's what they were after. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. We had another English teacher called Mr Evans who got snapped up by Eton because he was very uh, passionate about English. And I mean, there were all the sort of humanities teachers which uh, really um, inspired me, I suppose. But uh, yeah, we, we had a, a, good, a, good, a, good, a good selection of teachers. Who else did I? Mr Best. I mean, I don't really know if they're listening, but... Uh, also, I had a great headmaster, you know. It's a tough job, that. And uh, Mr. MacArthur looked after the place very well. Also, Mr. Clayson, he played cricket with me. He taught me cricket. Because cricket was a, a big part of I was you. the captain. You can actually see the uh, the cricket pitch there. Is there. Yeah, OK. Um, I captained the cricket. I got in the Wisden Almanac. Do you know what that is? I do not. The Wisden Almanac is basically this, like, for cricket geeks, every year they put the cricket stats out. Uh, and if your school has a higher than 70% winning percentage, you get your record put up in the Wisden Almanac. And the year that I captained Bluecoat, we did we did get in that. So you get a little write-up. Um, Congratulations. Uh, so I've got that. Such an achiever with your trophies. You're um, in the Wisden Almanac. Yeah, you know, it's not everyone can say they're in an Almanac. No. Um, Was it? Did any part of you when you were playing cricket think, "Oh, this is this is this is this is going places"? This is going. Well, be I played what I for do. my county f- for a couple of years, um, and it definitely, yeah, it crept into my mind as like a potential. But I think, I mean, I wasn't good enough. Um, but even if I was, the life of a sort of second-rate professional cricketer. It does. It, it it didn't. Apart from the fact that you get to play cricket a bit, it doesn't appeal to me at all. I mean, it's got, it's a quite a tough sport mentally. You know, like you can be really good at it and really bad at it very very quickly, uh, and seemingly not really understand why you've got bad. Um, it's all so, so so technical. There's such minor sort of mental adjustments. But secondly, you're just spending your life travelling and like in like travel lodges, going to like Worcestershire for four days to play a draw or whatever. And, it's just it's it's not got the the money or the glamour. It's um, not got the razzle dazzle of show business. No, and you, you you know you work. Well, yeah, you just have to work harder for less reward. I mean, obviously, people in showbiz work hard, but we also get to sort of rest. Whereas I think if you're a professional sportsman, you don't get that much rest, really. What about outside of school? Where would you knock about, and who with? Uh, well, Street corners. Yeah, I mean, as I said, famously in a lot of art school clubs, but uh, the one haunt was really the Oracle Shopping Centre. That's where that is in Central Maidenhead, then, is it? The Oracle is in Reading. Okay, yeah, it's in. That's where everyone would go generally. What I was mean, what was the appeal? What was the allure of the Oracle shopping centre? I never really rated it that highly. <laughs> I'd much rather be at home playing Pro Evo, but that's where they all went. That's where they all go to like hang out with girls and stuff. And I was like, wow, the Purple Turtle. That's the pub that everyone went to before they were legally allowed to drink. But again, I was just a bit of a, so you, you wouldn't put in an appearance at the uh, the Purple nah, Turtle. I just I just wasn't that kind of kid. I was just I honestly I mean. I wish I had that sort of drive and motivation now, but I was really into all the stuff that I got the opportunity to do. Like, I really wanted to get better at 
um, you know, public speaking and get better at the sports that I play. And it, I, I didn't really have anything to rebel against or I never felt like I wanted to get drunk or anything. Until what about get... like stolen kisses and, and, and crushes and so Just on? Just lame, mate. I mean, my first girlfriend basically was on a public speaking trip and she was a lot more sort of sexually experienced than me and she just sort of made it happen. Like, I, I, at no point... She came at you? Basically. And I was like, oh, I'm fine, I've got a girlfriend now, right? You know, that's fine. And then did anyone believe you when you got back? <laughs> yeah! My, it's, it, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I just wasn't one of those kids that... I mean, it wasn't... It was just was not, wasn't a high priority. I mean, obviously I had all the hormones going and I was very scared of girls and I'd, you know, look at Nuts magazine and stuff. Were you a prolific masturbator? Well, I mean, I, you know, that's what I'm beating around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose not prolific as such, but anyone at that age is, is definitely getting, you know, getting to know themselves. Yes. Aren't they? Exploring and, their own bodies. <laughs> I do have a horrible story, actually, uh, where my friend got in trouble because on a porn site I put, I put my mum's credit card details into it so I could see it, but then I put his name. <laughs> so, so, and then my mum thought I was such an angel that she thought that somehow my friend had defrauded. She didn't go to the obvious place, which is that I put a fake name. She thought that my friend did, and you know, I never. I love that I you never didn't told just sort of make up a name. Yeah, I know. He used a friend's name. That is true, actually. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. Why did I land him in it like that? Who was he? He's called Ben Danks. Poor Ben Danks. Yeah. Did it ruin your friendship? No, he, he never found out. <laughs> just my mum would just always throw him shade and he didn't really understand why. The card defrauder. I thought your parents would be quite sort of broad-minded about that kind of thing, would have been swingers and all that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not, not. I mean, my dad would just, uh, uh, when, yeah. They, they saw it going on porn sometimes and my dad, my dad was like, well, it was different in my day. We just used to hide it in the bushes. <laughs> but we, we, can, we can track what you're doing by the internet and stuff. So I, was, I don't know, really. I don't know. <laughs> I um yeah well I'm sorry for looking at porn via your credit card mother. Uh, what age did you what age did you leave home was it to go to university? Yes. Yes, I left at 18 wherever to go and live in London. And what was that like leaving the saying goodbye to Cookham Dean? Uh, I was pretty much ready for it. I, I'm not a very nostalgic person. You might have been able to tell this from the rest of the conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, yeah, you know that's going to come, isn't it? You know you're going to have to go to university and leave home and so I was just sort of ready for it. I mean, school got really boring towards the end. All the people and everyone, I don't know, I wasn't one of those people crying. I was just like, all right, what's next? And there was nothing you missed from home? There wasn't a particular thing your parents would cook? The... Uh, no. The, the, the ha-ha, you wouldn't miss the ha-ha? <laughs> 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 Ridgeway. No, I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the blessings of having a very bad memory is that you don't miss stuff. Right. <laughs> you just forget about it as soon as you're there. Um, and I still saw them a lot. Because they, you know, they live close, and I'd go back and play cricket and yeah. hang out and stuff. So no, I, I wouldn't say I missed anything from home. Really. I, t- I tend to wrap these things up by um, by by asking if there is any of the places we we've talked about today that you could go back in time and see it exactly as it was then, and walk around and move around in that space. Right. But I don't know because of your lack of nostalgia. I don't know if you, you're going to give me anything on uh, this. I mean, out of a curious, it'd be the hospital that I'm born in because I don't I don't have a clue what it was. <laughs> I, mean, I suppose, I would, yeah. I would You're saying back. if you were there, the memories would come flooding back. I can't believe she's not replied. We're never gonna, we're never gonna find out what it's my birth was. Unresolved. Um, and uh, maybe things are busy at the. Who, who was the painter again? The Stephen, the Stanley Spencer Gallery. Stanley Spencer Gallery. Yeah, probably. Are, yeah. yeah, it's kicking off there. Yes, it's popping off with OAPs. Um, I suppose I'd like to go back to my first school and play Conkers. Yeah, that might be nice for a bit. But you know, only for like twenty minutes. It's boring, isn't it? <laughs> I've got, got, we got Netflix now. It's way better. 
Tom <laughs> Rosenthal, thank you so much for taking us uh, <laughs> around Cookham Dean. Foggy memory lane. It's environs. Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack Radio. And that's that. A lovely stroll down memory lane with Tom Rosenthal. You can hear this episode again by pressing rewind on this podcast. Uh, but if you don't want to do that, there's loads of episodes. Uh, we're into series three here. So quite, quite the, uh, quite, quite the archive for you to delve into. You can get them from your usual podcast place, of course. And if you haven't yet, make sure you tune into Union Jack Radio and enjoy the best British music and comedy all in one place. Anyway. Uh, that's me done. Speak soon. Bye. You there. Do you have your Yorkshire puddings for breakfast? Do you drink pints of gravy? Do you enjoy queuing? There's an easier way to get your fix of the best of British. Union Jack. A radio station that brings this all together. Uh, four candles. Union Jack. Good old blighty. Handles for forks. <laughs> Union Jack. What a station. Union Jack. Playing the best of British. Tally ho.